Welcome back, everybody, to the MVM Show. I'm Titus, the usual, and today I've got on Mark Henley, Vice President of Advocacy for the California Waterfowl. Thanks, Mark, for joining on the show today. Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's always fun to come on here, and I love watching your videos. I think it's great for not only uh, you know a lot of hardcore hunters definitely enjoy those things, but just new people kind of... Mm -hmm wanting to learn how to hunt. I mean, they can glean a lot from what you're doing out there. So it's definitely a great service you're providing. I appreciate and, that. And, and also love watching your dog Rocky retrieve, man. That thing's a monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the physical too. <laughs> 90, uh, yeah. 95 pounds. Uh, yeah. My goodness. Things Brute squad. You over <laughs> oh. oh, he did yesterday. Yeah. I was, I was, uh, doing something in my garage and he decided he wanted through between me and a little, space he about knocked me over i mean he just took off running right through there i'm like hey dude pay attention what you're doing he i think he thinks he's a little pup still and he's he's not but he'll be That's he'll high, be high drive male dog for you yeah you know yeah he does have drive it's just it's funny because i've had him in some places to where the water's really shallow and he gets it right he can turn the afterburners on but the problem why everyone thinks, oh, he's not that fast or he's not a hard driver is because everything we hunt in is either over oh, his yeah. head or it's up to his neck. So, I mean, he can only go so fast, you know. But Rocky has the nose of a bloodhound. That is yeah. for sure. <laughs> uh, that is I'm thankful for, for sure. But anyway, so let's. Element. Yeah. It is, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That really is, especially in the environments that we hunt in here in California a lot. It's crucial. There's, exactly. Same thing on the refuges, man. If you don't have a dog with a good nose, it's going to be so difficult. Oh yeah. With 10, ten foot tall old growth tulies that they got to go through to find those birds. Yeah. Yep. And you, there's a lot of shot. If you, if you're trying to be make, make kind of extra ethical. Yeah. There's just a lot of shots you're not going to take. Yeah. Yeah. You know? They're efficient too. Having a dog, right? Yep. Finding your birds, getting out wow. of there a little sooner. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, they pay dividends. I mean, Every wow. good duck hunter has a has a good dog. So, Mark, totally I gotta agree. I gotta ask you. This is a random question that's not even start of the topic, but someone <laughs> asked me, kind of jokingly, the other day on a I had him on a podcast, and he said, "Define to me a tule." He he's he's from like the North Midwest area. He's like, "All I ever hear you California boys talking about tules." Oh. <laughs> so, I want to hear what you would define a tule as, Mark. Well, it's certainly not a cattail, although it kind of <laughs> looks like one, right? But no, tulies, they have those little air pockets and they can float and they're, you know, circular and they're, when they're, when they are uh, irrigated, they're green. When they're not, they're brown, but they're so buoyant because of those little air pockets. I apparently the Native Americans used to make boats out of those damn things and wow. they are that buoyant that you know you can actually make a little craft to to yeah. uh around in and um uh, to me they're the best cover to hide in too i mean all my camos kind of that same color and it helps me for like blending in and just hunting out in heavy cover like that you know to me it adds another whole element to the hunt mm -hmm. you know we don't have a lot of flooded timber around here can't really get into that but we have these really tall tulies in certain areas and hunting a nice private tule pond where you got those things surrounding you. 
that's just a great way to hunt. But again, I mean, as you guys were saying earlier, you got to have a good dog when you're in that kind of cover or they'll just never find the bird. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, hunting with a good dog is key in those areas. Yeah. The amount of birds lost pretty much went to nil. Mm-hmm. Once Rocky, I got Rocky and he, it was like his, he was beginning his second year. His nose just it blew me away. Right. And I, you know, yeah. and I remember seeing a guy out in the marsh several years ago, old guy with an old dog. And one of my birds went, he, I think he was kind of, he was a little bit of a backdoor in us hunting. So, <laughs> but he, he's an older guy and I didn't, we didn't, he didn't cause no issues with us, but the bird fell behind us and he's like, Hey, I'll bring my dog over there. I'm like, sure. Yeah. Thank you. So anyways, he brought him He goes, well, he'll find him. We're not going nowhere until he gets him. Cause he will. And I'm thinking in my head before I had a dog, right? Yeah. I'm just like, uh, you're really going to find. And sure enough, you mm-hmm. know, boy, that was just like a message to me, you know? So. And think also about all the time that dog saves you. I mean, you can get back in the blind that much quicker yep. and be hunting. So there's all this missed opportunity that would occur while you were looking for that bird yep. if you didn't have the dog. So I'll bet you your harvest goes up considerably just for that fact alone. True. Right. Um, yep. So yeah. Exactly. Uh, they're just a great yep. tool. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of factors that seem rather benign, but they pay dividends, right? Yeah. Like they the don't really haul. think about, yeah, like yeah. Mark said, you know, like time spent away from the blind. If You know, sometimes you don't even have to get out of the blind, right? Your right. dog's exactly. going to go get it and you can yep. stay there and maybe get another opportunity, right. you know, or it's you huge. Know, not have to get out and, you know, cause some issues because you got birds coming in, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's I try not to be that annoying dog guy, but it's like, I'm just telling you, <laughs> as a guy that's went from not, no dog for 20 or maybe 18, 19 years to a guy that's had one for the last five. Now I'm you just, can't do anything without it. I'm just saying I am. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just yeah. saying, you know, I'm spreading the news. Like, oh, yeah. T- it just adds another level of being ethical. Like, I shouldn't say it like that, but it just. There's a portion of it that's kind I, of I ethical. I could say it is, yeah. Yeah. But. Because you're not like not wanting waste, right? Right. But you, you're almost going to kill or get retrieve everything you shoot. Yeah. Right. And you know what I've done, Kevin? I've tracked um, Rocky. We lost. Let's see here. And I'm talking about just me and whoever hunts with me, right? Mm-hmm. With Rocky, I lost. I actually lost two last year. The year before that, I know I didn't lose a single bird. And I don't even, I, I feel that is insane. Mm-hmm. And some people don't believe it. They're like, are you lying? Are you, fi-? I'm like, no, I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, Why would I make that up? I know why would I, <laughs> I'm tracking this, but I also started last year. I started tracking and I really didn't do too good in, in January. So I don't have the exact number, but I also track birds that fell in like the tulies or somewhere that I could not get to that. I wouldn't have that Rocky retrieved yeah. that I wouldn't have been able to. Yeah. And oh, so you start one. adding that number up. That's a whole nother. A lot of things, man. You can count them yeah. up on two hands, all the efficiencies or, or yep. things that come out of having a dog. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, let's get into why you're here today. There's a lot of topics. I, I'd say let's start out with um, some of the new deals with the gun. Well, there's two here that we, we've been talking about kind of through the text and everything, Mark. and Yeah. Let's, why don't we, we just go it. ahead and dig into maybe starting with the uh, uh, with the tax, with the new, I'm sorry, not yeah. the, you want to start with that one first? 
Sure. I mean, that's one that's been around for a long time. As mm-hmm. you guys know, it's, it's almost every year now we have to battle this thing, but it's a proposal to place an 11% tax on all ammunition and pretty much all firearms. Um, and so essentially that would raise the total taxes. If, if this thing passed that you would pay on those items would be almost at 30% if you include all the other state and local taxes. So, I mean, it's, it's almost like taxing ammo and guns out of existence. I mean, mm-hmm. at some point mm-hmm. you're going to have people just say, I'm not willing to pay that price. But, oh yeah. Um, of course the, the funding for this, rather than supporting conservation, which is the Pittman Robertson you know, mm-hmm. model that we have, that's been very successful and helped a lot of our uh, species recover and helped our state wildlife areas here with their operations and maintenance. Um, this funding, unfortunately, would just go for violence prevention type programs, which, you know, to me is kind of an insult because it implies then that we're part of the gun violence problem. Right. And or, you know, irresponsible use of firearms when mm. nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, as you guys all know, you got to take a hunter safety class, got to pass a test and. You know, our our record speaks for itself. There's very few accidents in any given year. And having a a hunter injure or kill a non-hunter is almost unheard of. It Mm -hmm. hasn't happened in 30 or 40 years in the state. So it's just basically an insult for us to have to pay this tax. Um, I guess the one good thing is because it is a tax, constitutionally it's required then to ha- to meet a two thirds vote requirement on the floors. Mm. So um, once it gets to that point, I think we have a better chance of killing it. Um, and that's where it died last year was I, I believe on the Senate floor. So hopefully um, we can do that again this year. We'll be putting CWA will uh, a vo- voter voice alert out to our members. So all of your followers can weigh in if they want. Um, that's always really helpful. You know, it, for me to go in and lobby a legislator and say, don't vote for this bill is one thing. But when they hear from people that live in their own district, that makes a lot more of an impact. So hopefully people will take advantage of that opportunity. And is that, is that was, something you can relay to me to get something out like that to Absolutely. Yeah, yeah you I can know. email it to you. And okay. if you have an email list that you can fire it out on or yeah. just post it on your social media, that would be great. Yeah, and, and put it on really here. really help out. Yeah. Yep. I okay. think that would be great. Sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but I wanted to make, make sure we I can get that from you to help Yeah, Spread, get the yeah. voices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the more people, you know, having their their friends and their members chime in, the better. I mean, that really does make a difference down at the Capitol. And I was just going to say the other day, this bill, it was up in here, uh, a hearing the other day. And I mean, this is the in- number of bills they go through and in each hearing, it literally was the last bill to be heard. And I sat there for seven damn hours waiting oh. for this thing to come up. They had to get through like 35 other bills, but that just also shows how active things are at the state capitol. And again, we've talked about this before, how just everything now in this state is regulated. Mm-hmm. And you really, if you don't have representation down at that capitol, you're going to have your interests just bulldozed over. Mm-hmm. So it's really, really important for 
you know, lobbyists and other folks to that represent your interests to be down there watching watching what's going on because yeah. there's just a whole whole lot of effort to crack down on not only guns and hunting but a whole whole host of other activities that mm-hmm. you probably enjoy. Right. Hey, Mark, was that the um, navigatable water bill that you waited the seven hours? Was that the one? No. No. That's okay. another. That's another one we're working on. I'll I'll get into that. Uh, here in a little bit, but uh, the other, let me just quickly say the other couple of gun bills um, that we were working on. There was a bill that would require gun liability insurance mm-hmm. um, for all gun owners, and I mean it would be expensive to obtain this. Um, you know, so to us it would just be another disincentive for people to hunt. I mean, how do you go tell a new hunter who's gone through hunter safety, take you know, pass the test? you know, told, well, you got to go out and buy all this gear for duck hunting, buy your shells, everything else. Mm. And then on top of it, say, by the way, you also have to get liability insurance for your firearm. I'm sure some people are just going to say, screw it. I'll go take up golf. You know, it's just too many requirements to hunt. And so these are the kind of bills that really we need to focus in on and make sure that they, yeah, die an ugly death because, just more. The last thing we need are more requirements and restrictions mm-hmm. on hunting. We already got plenty. We don't need more. How do you stomp this to where it stops resurfacing its ugly head? I mean, is that even, that's probably not even doable, huh? No, that's tough yeah. because anybody in the legislature can reintroduce this bill, even if you wear out the author, you know, on it. You know, some other of the 120 legislators down there then may pick it up. So yeah, it these things tend to keep popping back up and yeah. eventually you know they have a, de- a greater chance of passing now the good thing on this particular bill is sb8 um it was made into a two-year bill there was no vote taken in the hearing on it and so it, it won't be heard again until january of next year so at least mm. we got this one bottled up for this year mm. um so that 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 was good who what and companies then, or what even do ensure a gun like how are life for liability insurance i mean how who do you even go to that's for a that? great question that's a great question i believe actually that the nra has some policies that uh, they offer believe it or not makes sense and then there is some home insurance that does not all but some that do cover firearms but other than that yeah it's just unheard of and no other state requires this yeah. so this would be a first in, in the united states for yeah, uh, a state to now say, by the way, in order to exercise your Second Amendment, you have to now go, you know, uh, your rights. You got to go now get uh, insurance. So it just it obviously doesn't uh, fit in really well with um, our constitutional protections. Nobody should have to get insurance to enjoy uh, their freedoms and rights. Right. So we're, we're, we're just going to stay opposed to this and hopefully at some point it'll just go away. Yeah. Right. And and not to mention <clears throat> our duck hunting sport, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty small group of folks, right? It's it's never been the mainstream sport in the country, right? Hunting-wise, even so, I mean, man, to put even more restriction on an already small oh, base, yeah. right? I mean, it's like nobody knew. You know, it's already hard enough to get folks to come in that are have family members in this yeah. sport, right? It's yeah. not just for everybody, right? And then to add more to it, man, it's almost like you're 
Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. There's, yeah. You're well, never going to get waterfowl, waterfowl hunting in particular, you're right, is one of the hardest because the regulations are so complicated. They change every year. The cost for duck hunting is very high. I mean, there's so much equipment that you have to acquire. Um, and then on top of it, if you're a public area hunter, you got to deal with the massive crowds and the the access issue. I mean, it's just, you got long lines to get into those refuges and just getting on and hunting on a given day can be very difficult. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of roadblocks, you know, in front of you and then adding another one, that's just, you know, in my view, going to kill hunter recruitment. So yeah, we gotta, we gotta finally fix this thing and make sure it doesn't come back again. Um, another bill real quickly that we did have, um, that would affect a lot of hunting related nonprofit groups was um, SV 368. And what this would have done would have banned the raffling of handguns. And so, as you guys know, when you go to events, I mean, mm -hmm. now you have a lot of raffling or auctioning of, of handguns mm -hmm. as a way to raise money for the nonprofit, right? Mm -hmm. And so, this bill would have taken that tool away. So, fortunately, we worked with some of our friends in the state capitol, got some other hunting groups involved, and the author um, agreed to remove that provision. So mm. that bill bill was fixed. So that that was some good news. Wow, that's awesome. That's yeah. great so news. Every every now and then, some good things happen down at the capitol. <laughs> yeah. Not very often, but once in a blue moon, there are some positive. It worked. Things. That was one. Yeah. How'd you get involved in doing what you do, Mark? How'd you, I mean, what, what was, I'm, I know I said we were going to go through kind of the background yeah. history, but we never really talked about that when you've been on here. Like what made you, I mean, obviously you love to waterfowl hunt. So, I mean, was that love for duck hunting, what drove you to 
get this involved and do what you do? I mean, what all took place there? De- definitely. I mean, that's the kind of passion that keeps me going is as bad as things get around, you know, the state capital and depressing it can be at times. I mean, my love of hunting and definitely keeps me going. But, uh, you know, just educationally, I mean, I got a BA in political science and then I went and got a master's in government. Mm. Um, and so just getting that educational background was important. But Prior to working at CWA, I also worked in the legislature as a consultant and um, as an aide. So mm-hmm. that having that experience then really allowed me once I went out and lobbied to to be more knowledgeable and effective. And that's really helped me in my career. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I would you know recommend anybody wanting to get involved, you know, in the political system or become a lobbyist try to get some kind of internship down at the state capitol and mm. kind of get get your feet wet down there that just being around the capitol and seeing how things work um that that kind of knowledge and experience will really help you then in your career so mm. it's been invaluable for me yeah how do you stand up on all the new stuff cuz i mean are is it like are they trying to sneak stuff in through other things like does that ever happen with these kind of bills like this you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm asking as a complete, I was novice on this, Oh yeah. but do oh, they ever, yeah. I mean, they can, they can gut in a mill and amend another bill at any time during the session or try to sneak amendments in. And so, you know, our sessions kind of start in January and they wrap up, um, typically in September, but the whole way through, you have to watch every bill very closely to make sure it's not going to be amended and then all of a sudden you know voted on on the floor and then passed on to the governor and and they can literally do this um within the space of just a couple days like if they really want to get a certain bill passed they can kind of streamline it and have a quick set of votes and get it to the governor's office in a very short period of time. So mm. if you're not paying attention, if you're asleep at the wheel, mm. you're really going to lose out. So yeah, we got to watch this stuff day in and day out. So what do you do now when you say asleep at the wheel, are you talking about just being actually at the Capitol when this stuff is getting conversated? Like do, how do you, how do you butt in and say, Hey, Oh, yeah. I got something to say about this. Is that how it works? Like you're, you're there and you're standing up. Are you given a space of time? Like, how's that all work where you get to yeah, fight you for def- it? Yeah, you, you definitely want to be down at the Capitol just so you can also talk to other staff and learn from them what's going on. You can glean a lot of information that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, we also have a computer system. You know, the the assembly and the Senate have a database of all the bills. And so every day you can look, go on that system, look Mm. at what changes were made to various Uh, bills. And if there's if there's a hearing that's going to be coming up. So when I see that the hearing is scheduled, then I make sure that day I'm totally free. I go down to the Capitol. And like I said, sometimes I got to wait seven hours before the damn bill comes up. But you got to make sure Worth that you say say your say your piece and what also that people don't see is prior to doing that you go around to each office that is on that committee each member's office and lobby that bill and tell them why it's a good or a bad idea so there's all this other stuff that goes on prior to that you know the public may not see 
um, but is critical in determining whether the bill gets out of committee or not. We also, with every bill that we work on, if we take a position, we do a then a, an actual position paper on it, uh, a supporter opposition letter that we send to the legislature and copy to the governor's office. So they know in writing what our position is. And you can always see like the different support and opposition for each bill. If you go on the, um, the website for the assembly or the Senate, they'll show you on each bill um, who the supporters are and who the opposition is. So if you ever want to verify, you know, what groups are on each bill, you can do that just over the internet. So you're spending some serious time reading and studying and sitting in sessions. I mean, you're, it's, that's a full time deal. Yeah. Yeah. No, luckily I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, more than happy to do that i mean that's that's what they pay me for Mm -hmm. but um yeah i mean at at times it can get pretty dry and boring but again you look at the stakes i mean anybody could go down there and try to take away a certain type of hunting or ban hunting entirely so again if we're asleep at the wheel the Mm -hmm. the consequences could be massive so i i just got to make sure that we check things day to day and that we're always down at that capital ready to go in well, case the hearing comes up. We appreciate what you yeah. do. That's yeah. huge. Yeah, it's like we appreciate your service. <laughs> yeah, that's a <laughs> yeah. notable needed uh, beyond what I can even say thank you for. So we're we're glad for what you knew and what you're standing for. I'm happy to do it. Advocating for us, that's a must. You got to fight <laughs> for your <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. To die. <Seriously>. <laughs> Little beastie boy action. You know? I like it. Yeah. So, is there any other bills, anything else that we could know about or got to keep on the radar? Uh, so, so, Kevin mentioned this navigable waters bill we're working on. So, this is a bill CWA is sponsoring. And so, I mean, you guys know about navigable waters. Kevin, of course, is big with his boat and mm-hmm. takes advantage of them at every opportunity and does a great job. Obviously, thank uh, you. I'm watching, <laughs> watching the uh, the photos and the videos you send me, right? Yeah, doing it. So, really Titus now, that, Titus that kind is, of flooding, flooded hunting can be yeah. right. Yeah, Titus got to take advantage of that a lot this year as well. You know, yeah. recently Good. got his boat, so worked nice. out well for him. Yeah, I, I, I would say. I mean, <clears throat> I know we're gonna try to do a couple forty five minute sessions, and just depending, I'm not. We definitely don't rush through anything, so feel free to stay, you know, on whatever topic you and give us as much information as possible because we have a lot of topics, but we also don't want to blow through anything because this one really has my attention because over the years of navigable water, I've had all these different things I've been told, I feel like by game wardens, by what I've thought, by what I've heard other hunters say, I really want to know the ins and outs of it, even for the listeners as well. But also, and obviously this is for California because I know it's different in other states, but mm-hmm. I want to hear the yeah. ins and outs of just really what's legal and what's right and then anything that you want to add on top of that that you that's maybe new or being talked about. And you're right. It's, it is different in California because we have the most liberal navigable water rule in the entire country. It's wow. more liberal than the federal rule. Mm-hmm. And I'll get into that in a minute. Um, but, you know, the, the big thing with navigable waters i think too it's just such a critical important part of our waterfowling heritage here 
I mean, before there were duck clubs and when we had no dams, levees or other flood control, you know, that's the kind of hunting that took place in the Central Mm -hmm. Valley and even up into the Klamath Basin. So really, um, it was how duck hunting started in California. And um, it's, you know, again, uh, just a key part of our heritage. And so for that reason alone, I think we got to fight to protect it and make Mm -hmm. sure that it continues, even though our society, you know, maybe modernizing and probably think that this is a relic from some other age. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what the bill then would do, it does a couple of things. Um, and, and by the way, bill number, I think I mentioned it's AB 859 assembly member Gallagher, who you, represents the Sacramento Valley. Can you say that again? I'm sorry. You said AB. AB 859, Assembly Bill 859, okay. and it's it, the, our author is Assembly Member James Gallagher. He represents the Sacramento Valley. Um, he's a rice farmer himself, mm. um, and he's a avid duck hunter. We've gone out many times and mm. duck hunted together. He totally gets it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's and he's also the minority leader um, on the Republican side. So he is the leader of the Republicans within the state assembly just a great guy. And so one thing I just want to note is, you know, when you're running these bills, it's so important to get authors who not only have some sway like Mr. Gallagher does, but also believe in the issue mm-hmm. and really understand the issue and will fight for it. So we're really fortunate that we have him on board and that he's running this for us. Okay. Um, so it's, it's nice to, to have somebody like that in your corner. For sure. But, um, uh, but anyway, the um, the bill, yeah, it would do a couple things. It would, first of all, make it a right rather than a privilege to hunt navigable waters. And what this is, in terms of it being a right, that that has already been stated in several state attorney general's opinions on navigable waters. Um, but it was never put into the Fish and Game Code. So what mm. we're going to do is finally clarify that hunting is a right on navigable waters in the fishing game code everywhere else in the fishing game code when they talk about hunting it's just a mere privilege so this would be finally one type of hunting that is an actual right um under state law can i ask you something there can i ask what what would be the advantage of one being from a privilege to a right what yeah and that's yeah, some people would say that's just semantics, but okay. when it when it comes to the courts, the courts are very um, sensitive to any infringement on what they consider rights. So if something like this ever did get into a court process, if if hunting was just considered a privilege, then they would probably say, you know, more restrictions can be put on it and um, it's not really a protected use, but if it's considered a right, they will be more likely to say, you know what, this restriction on hunting has to be stricken down and that we have to do everything we can to protect it because personal liberties and rights are, you know, again, have these constitutional protections for them that creates a higher standard if you're going to try to regulate them. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I was just curious. Um, and so as you guys know, too, I mean, 
we still also have these local entities that are out there that want to ban hunting on navigable waters. So I mean, most recently I've had to deal with the city of Benicia. They want to ban hunting in the Carpino Strait and all around uh, the navigable waters all around them. But, you know, this crops up also in the San Francisco Bay, Tamales mm. Bay, Morro Bay. Tamal, yep. And yeah. And so, you know, there's definite efforts um, in certain parts of the state to get rid of navigable water hunting. So it's just something to be aware of. I think, you know, with this bill that will help to provide a little more protection maybe than um, uh, against those types of efforts. Um, but the other thing that the bill would do is, as you guys know, too, a big part of navigable water hunting is right. when rivers, rivers flood and bypasses flood, right? And you get these overflow conditions. Unfortunately, right now, under the Fish and Game Code, if you hunt navigable floodwaters and they are posted, that is considered trespassing. Mm. So what this bill would do, it would clarify that no, that is not trespassing and that the hunter has a right to use those areas regardless of signage or anything else. Um, mm. you know, okay, so you wait know, a second. So, yeah. so the bill, let me try to word this properly. So you would get in trouble right now if you got out of your boat, right, Mark, on those it, properties? Or could you still float? Well, even on if you, even if even if you're in the the boat, okay, you could okay. get sighted. If it, if it's their, if it there's signage, if there's signage, correct. Um, now the wardens, state fishing game wardens, do not enforce this. Is my understanding? It's more of a problem with like local sheriffs, local mm. police, or regional park district um, uh, folks who don't know of the attorney general's opinions that say that that provision is unconstitutional. And so what will happen is a hunter and this happens quite often, a hunter will be cited by those people and then they have to go through the entire court system mm. and they have to pay, you know, it costs them a lot of money. You know, that, that violation, by the way, is prosecutable as a misdemeanor. Mm. So that's nothing to sneeze at. It's not just an infraction. Mm. Oh, um, yeah. And, you know, it also costs the court system a lot of time and money. So um, what we're trying to just do with this bill is say, nope, the attorney general has several times said that this provision of the Fish and Game Code is um, unconstitutional as it relates to flood navigable floodwaters. It's still constitutional as it relates to land or to non-navigable waters. And we are also clarifying that in the bill. But if it's navigable, under our system, you have a right to hunt it uh, from a boat. And, you know, we want to make sure that people aren't getting these these tickets and having to go through that process. So and that's hopefully what I'm, this will help to avoid all of that in the future if we're able to get it signed in the law. Okay. Because that's kind of what I'm trying to ask. It sounds like a redundant question, but it's almost like you can't, you're allowed to do that right now. But the problem is the local entities don't understand that. So you're having to deal with all the hassle of all that. You're going to get out of it probably, correct? You just got to deal with the time, the money. Every time we have given the attorney general's opinions to hunters that have been cited and they've given it to the judge, it's been thrown out. Mm -hmm. I have never seen one of, one of these tickets stick, not a single one. Okay. But, if this um, but, but again, they, they need the right information if they don't yeah, have yeah, that information. Yeah. They're, they're probably are going to um, 
you know, end up uh, penalizing the hunter. Hmm. So, so um, passing this bill would hope to mitigate that issue, I guess, of getting ticketed. It, it, it would get rid of the issue oh, entirely. Yeah, it, and, okay. you know, the, the yeah. other issue too, is there's a lot of landowners that see that provision in the fishing game code right now. And then assume that, you know, that is an, it's illegal for the hunters to be out there mm-hmm. when it's not. And so they go and harass the hunters yep. and then the hunters essentially get intimidated out of exercising for their sure. rights. Yeah, for and sure. So, exercising their rights. You know, it, it will also then prevent, you know, I think to a large degree that happening again in the future once, you know, the law is made known once we get this thing passed. Yeah. And that's going to take time, right? Because don't you oh, think? Oh, sure. Do you think, well, like, let's say if it passes this year, which I, don't, I guess that's probably, is that even an option? Uh, yeah, it, it's on a good, pro, you know, progress right now. It, it's on consent on the assembly floor. It should be voted off in the next couple of weeks, and then it'll go over to the Senate. Um, the Senate always has a different take on, you know, bills that the assembly does, but it, at least we're, you know, almost halfway there now through mm-hmm. the process. So it, it is getting some support. So what, where's the hangup, though, if we know this is our constitutional right? And I'm glad this bill's coming in. I'm praying that it passes and support every yeah. way I can. But if it's already a constitutional right and, and the, the federal att- guys know it and the attorney general, why is the local entities, is it just their lack of knowledge in it? And that's and my second part to that question would be, if this does pass and it goes into effect, is it going to take a couple years before all these guys figure that out and the information's dispersed to them, like the sheriffs and the yeah. police departments, to say, hey, you can't be you know, giving these guys grief no more. Yeah, no, it'll take some time. There's no doubt about it, but yeah, the the key problem is the fish and game code still, you know, states that if you hunt on navigable floodwaters and you do it, um, where there's signs that are posted saying that you can't, Mm -hmm. that that is a violation. And so it's just something that needs to be cleaned up. It's been on the books since 1982 and even though even though the attorney general has said it's invalid nobody ever went back and actually cleaned up the code and so that's what this bill would do is Uh, clean up the code better late than never (laughs) exactly and it just again will avoid a lot of confusion and provide much needed clarity you know in the law um so that it'll be a positive thing but i want to also say that this is not something that CWA came up with on its own. This is something that is totally based off of what the state attorney general has said mm-hmm. in studying the constitution and studying the law and studying the court cases. And so that's all we're trying to do here is take what is in these opinions and put it into the actual code. So awesome. it, in our view, in our view, it's really just a technical clarifying yeah, change. But a huge one. Yeah. 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 But one that makes a difference. Sure. Uh, yeah, so. that's a huge deal. So to just dig in the weeds a little bit more here. So navigable, can you define that for everybody? Because I think we can all assume different things, but can you define that a little deeper? And if you if that doesn't if that's too broad, I can kind of throw some stuff out there. But it's a pretty simple definition, actually. It's navigability is determined of whether you can float it with a boat. And that boat could be a large boat, it could be a kayak, it could be a raft. If you can float it, you have the ability to hunt and fish it. That is how liberal our 
California constitutional provision is as it relates to navigable water. And it has so to be that, from a public standard. access, right? Like, obviously. Yeah, so there, there are sideboards on this. That mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, you cannot walk across private land and then launch to get to mm-hmm. the navigable waterway. Mm-hmm. That's trespassing. You would have to launch from a public access point, say, you know, a, a dock or where a highway and a river intersect. I mean, there's people that will launch from those areas. Mm-hmm. There's also places where we have state wildlife areas that have rivers uh, or refuges uh, are there, and the, a river runs through that. If you got on the river from the rif- the refuge or the wildlife area and then floated down, then, then you'd be legal too because Wait. you'd be accessing it from a, a legal standpoint. Really? Yeah. Okay, because oh. actually, that's something. Are you thinking I, of the San Joaquin? Well, I'm just, I don't. You know, you, that I'm Union? just thinking oh. in tons of situations because there's a lot. Like you said, there is all throughout the state. There's those situations where it runs through. But I've heard from other people, and I'm not gonna say the source, but they're I would think they're a pretty reliable source that because they'll be posted too. I've seen that with the floodwaters, they'll be postings of where these refuges are. Right. There's, you're not, I thought you're not allowed to be on the refuge, even if it is flooded. Right. What, what are you, are you saying you can? What I'm looking at it from, I guess, more is on a river system that's yeah. navigable. Like you can be in the river. Like the, correct. Even and if it runs through stay, it. Yeah. You could stay in the river exactly and float down through private property, but because you're still in your boat, yeah. you're legal. Gotcha. But yeah, you're you're right. You can't just hunt on yeah. refuges when they are flooded and closed and do that. And that part of the reason that really relates to federal refuges and there's a federal preemption yeah. issue there. That's mm. why you can't go say on Sutter Refuge and hunt it. Mm. Um under our system of fishing game laws too. the the um, fishing game commission it has constitutional authority as well so it can then put limitations on where you can hunt on navigable waters and it has put those limitations on our state wildlife areas so that's why if little dry creek floods you can't go out and hunt it mm-hmm. if yolo if yolo wildlife area floods you can't go out and hunt it because the commission has voted and designated that area as a wildlife area. And therefore, you know, it's partly under their control. Mm. And so that, that's why you can't, yeah, just when a refuge is closed, even if it's flooded, you can't go out there and do that. Yeah. Copy. Yeah. And that makes complete sense. I mean, that's, you gotta give those birds a break. Well, I mean, and, which we're talking like, yeah. it's like every seven years before it even floods anyway. And, so it's such a small window of right, time. And, YOLO in particular. I mean, that's an ocean out there. Yeah. Right. Right. If that floods, it's like, yeah. ah, you know, yeah. where would be a good spot to hunt out on that? Yeah. You know, right. It's an ocean. There's very little cover yeah. out there. It's no, like, that's that's good to know. And those the definition sounds and it's like you said, it's simple once it's explained, but when you don't have someone that knows what they're talking about tell you, then you could you could go a thousand different and ways that and that happens a lot and it happens all the time that's what i'm saying people, i've had all these different oh this is what it means and it's the high water mark and this, this and that and it's like well hold on a second so so mark when it floods 
and you're on a river system and it goes over into the private, which is by constitutional, mm-hmm. we're allowed. You, But you cannot step out of your boat on that land, right? You still have to be in the boat. I've never seen court cases that have looked specifically at that, but I would say it's wise to stay in your boat mm-hmm. because the navigational easement is tied to the boat. And once you leave that boat, then you're really not navigating. Mm, and so, yeah. yeah, you got, you really do need to stay in your boat yeah. and stay floated. Yeah. I'm surprised and that's you actually never You came also, up. you also, you know, then to can't get out of your boat and drag your boat into another area and walk mm-hmm. across just to get to another flooded area. Mm-hmm. That's another thing people try to do. Technically, I believe that is trespassing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Which Definitely, makes sense. if you're out doing this, stay in your boat. Yeah, and then you you mentioned too, you know, the normal high water mark. So that the normal high water mark then is not a flood water issue. It's more of for regular rivers and bays. What is the normal high water mark, and how high can you hunt up into those areas? And so, you know, it's pretty easy if you you know float down the Sacramento River, you can see the vegetation line where mm-hmm. the high water mark is. So as long as you you can get out of your boat there and you can get out on a gravel bar and walk around and stay in the river, as long as you don't go above that vegetation mm-hmm. watermark, then you're fine. Huh. And then, you know, down in the bay, um, there's the tidewater area where you can see where the dirt stops and the vegetation begins. Yep. Um, that would be the, the high water mark, say, around San Francisco Bay or even in the Sassoon Marsh. Uh-huh. So. Those are the those are the standards. I this may not. I don't really want to get off the. I th- think we've got a lot of questions answered on the navigable water, but I kind of want to. Hopefully, this don't get us too off track from that. But I'm sure you've heard of Onyx, correct? The hunt maps. Yeah. How much? I don't. I'm I don't know if you use. It. Okay, I don't know if you use them or not, but. I know one thing is I am very skeptical on what I trust on that. I mean, I think there's a lot of good things about it, and I know that the lines are pretty good from what I've heard. I've talked to some game wardens, but what's your thoughts and opinions on that as far as maybe navigable waters, which we already kind of know what that is now, so that's it's kind of its own thing. But sometimes you'll see property lines come out into it maybe like a little island or whatever. I mean, how trusting are you of that app? And do you, what do you, how do you feel about Onyx? And, and I don't use it. Okay. I, I do know about it. Um, when I have had people out with me that do use it, it always seems like it gets something wrong. Mm-hmm. So I just my personally, I wouldn't trust stuff like that. And I mean, as it relates to this issue, you know, we get huge, floodwaters, it actually changes the courses of streams and high water marks are changed and, you know, the conditions change year to year. I don't know how Onyx is going to help you really with that issue. Yeah, true. Um, So from my perspective, it's always best to, and this is again, what the law says is, you know, you need to look at the current conditions in the waterway, Mm. you know, what, what the high water mark is visually and whether again, you can float it with a boat or not. Mm. And I, uh, Onyx, you know, is not going to really be able to help you. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's probably always safe to, you know, look at Onyx, Mm. but then go to that local government or publication. Right. And just back it up with more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So for sure. Um, is there anything else we could cover or, 
talk about for navigable water? Um, I, I want to mention we have a great coalition of other hunting and some fishing groups that are supporting the bill. So I really appreciate that. I mean, there's no way one organization can try to, you know, do anything down at the Capitol. You got to have partners. And so that's really, you know, great mm-hmm. that they've helped with this bill. Strength in numbers. And then, um, yeah, um, it's just, like I said, it still needs to go through the Senate and then be signed into law. Um, so it's got a long way to go before we'd get this thing finalized, but we just think it's, it's an important issue again. Yeah. It's to try to protect part of our waterfowling heritage and, um, you know, anything time we can do that and also get hunting clarified more as a right rather than a privilege. I think it's an important opportunity. So hopefully we get it through. Yeah. Well, I think I'm kind of thinking, let me see here. I'm going to try to keep this in the right proper order because we have a lot of other topics. I'm trying to see if this might be a place to cut the first episode and roll into the second. But then again, we have some long, I feel like some long topics. We do We do want to talk about Tule Lake, Klamath, some water yeah. issues, the, the, the salmon. Um, we also want to talk about... Um, uh, we did the navigable water, the youth vet hunt dates, and I wonder if we should cover one more. Should we end this one, Kevin? What do you think? And start another one? Because yeah, maybe start another. I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think this is a good point to cut this off and start a part two. So, guys, everybody listening, um, we're going to be continue recording, but we are going to end this episode. I appreciate everybody for listening in, and I will keep you guys updated, and I'll be in touch with Mark and Kevin, and we'll be talking about this stuff as far as where we can let our voice be heard and be part of maybe making those phone calls or sending those emails or letters or putting in the votes, whatever it is that we got to do to do our part. Um, I will definitely keep you guys informed. I think to me, the podcast is one of the greatest things you guys that listen to this are super um, involved. And uh, so I want to say thank you for that and everybody for listening and we'll see you guys on the next one. We're excited.